2: so our podcast is called right and wrong are these your notes these (laughs) these your notes about what we're going to say that's a really good question Um, sculptor doesn't put their slab of clay or whatever on their mm, plinth, mm, and then start doing the eyelashes yeah you know know,
1: just like gushing over your back
2: I for (laughs) everything this is it guys the big secret to getting published (laughs) is you have to write a good book (laughs) I it here first we're going (laughs) to Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Right and Wrong podcast. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by one of LBA's agents, Hannah Schofield. Hello, Hannah. Welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Jamie. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here.
2: Excellent. I mean, so happy to speak to you. Um, How's everything going? How's your lead up to Christmas been?
1: Um, It has been very busy. So, the last week of November, I was like, i am so on top of things everything is under (laughs) control my december's going to be like a blitz and then it sort of just hit me in the face (laughs) and i had the cold that everyone's got luckily it wasn't COVID, so Mm. but i was like not very well for a bit and like so many authors wonderfully Delivered their manuscripts to me. And then I went from like, oh, I can do everything I want before Christmas to be like, hmm, what, <laughs> what can I push <laughs> to January? How much can I push to January? Um, so it's been busy, which is like fun, but I'm also like, wow, it's, it's been a busy month.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's good to be busy, but also sometimes you just want to take a break, especially around Christmas.
1: Yes, I think lots of people are feeling that at the moment. Like lots of people, you know, it's been a hard year and people are thinking, I need to just wind down for the year and I think that's hopefully going to be the case um, over over the holiday break that people will have that time to just chill out and, you know, read read some books for pleasure.
0: <laughs> Imagine nice, that would be <laughs> uh,
2: let's okay, let's talk about you are a literary agent LBA as of twenty eighteen.
1: Sort of, yes. Um, So I joined LBA in 2018 um, as the agency assistant and so then the following year I was promoted to junior agent which meant that I could start working with my own clients Um, and I sort of inherited a couple from colleagues who then like joined my list and was sort of the start of my list Um, and then I you know started working with them and I sort of came of age as an agent during lockdown one um by sending out my first submission, which was quite scary but quite exciting um and that book actually sold at auction so that was a very good first submission experience (laughs) but just like totally bizarre for that to have happened during the pandemic and that's kind of been my existing journey since then it's like all been during covid
0: which is yeah of course yeah
1: i've had to adapt to a different way of working i think um And sort of strategize slightly differently as perhaps I would have done if I'd been working less so in a pandemic. But then, yeah. And then in this last summer, so summer 2021, um, was when I kind of got the full literary agent title. Um, And so like my role now is very much like actively building my list of clients um, and yeah, hoping to find homes for their books.
2: Amazing. What an exciting um, couple of years. Dialing back just quickly, when you said something you said interesting to me there, when you moved from assistant to junior agent, Mm -hmm. you said you inherited a couple of authors of of your colleagues. How how does that work?
1: So um, a couple of the authors that joined me were authors who um, were writing in kind of the women's fiction space, which is something like I read in my personal time and like where I really loved and weren't such a great fit for their previous agent in terms of genre. Um, So I was like, oh, yeah, perfect. This would be great. Um, And one of those clients was actually the book I sold at auction. Like that was her her book, her name Charlotte Butterfield. Um, She's great. And um, so those were sort of the ones who were more established and had done a couple of books. And then while I was an assistant, I did basically the agency submissions, and I did a lot of kind of um, submissions from – prizes like or the faber anthology like those sorts of things trying to find new talent for the agency um and through those prizes i mean so lba also runs a prize which is the daily mail first novel competition we've had a lot of success with that and um, so there were a couple of authors who were like runners up to that competition um who had like signed with the agency but hadn't really kind of got going in their agent journey or like had started it and i sort of started to take over it or like sort of mirror um the editorial process with their agent and then it became kind of obvious that it would be a, a natural fit for them to join my list and thankfully they did <laughs> um so that was great so that was sort of how that worked out i think i had maybe five or six clients um which sort of came to me like that and that was like the start of my list and then it was actually about a year ago in so November 2020 that I opened my own submissions inbox um, because previously i had been just like, you know, <laughs> trawling through my colleagues being like, hmm, what can I find here <laughs> for me? <laughs> um, so it was really fun to open my own. And that's how I found like most of my clients since then is is via quote unquote the slush pile, um, which I, you know, I don't really like that word, but that's, that's how it works for me.
2: The submissions pile, let's say. The yeah, submissions, submissions pile. pile.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And like, I really love doing open submissions. Um, I like I take a lot of care with it. I think it's a really sort of important part of my job and one that I really value. So it's been fun. I've been enjoying doing that.
2: Yeah, it's a lot. It must be a lot to, when, when you first go into that, I'm now open sub- for submission and you're getting all these emails filling up your inbox. It must be a lot to suddenly take on though.
1: Yes. It is. Um, I mean, obviously, as a as a younger agent, I probably don't get nearly as many submissions as some of my more senior colleagues or peers mm-hmm. in the e- industry. Yeah. Um, but even then, like some weeks, I'm like, how how has this filled up so quickly? <laughs> like, so many people are writing to me, and so. Yeah, um, it is something I have to kind of actively keep on top of. But, it, you know, it ebbs and flows. Like some weeks I'll look at them every single day and some weeks I'll be like, I have no time for this. I'll do it next week. Um, so, yeah, right. I, I I really use the maybe pile and like color coding. That's kind of the way that I manage that.
2: Amazing. I love I love a bit of color coding. I'm oh, I love to- <laughs> a bit of color coding. <laughs> I'm going to come back to submissions later. Uh, sure. But before we get there... Um so you you are quite new into uh, be, uh being a literary agent. Um it's gonna be interesting that y- your experience as a as a full time literary agent has been in lockdown. So if mm-hmm. we ever do get out of this, whatever this is, uh into a more in quotes normal uh situation, mm-hmm. that will be an interesting learning curve for you.
1: Yeah, probably. Um I think actually the advantage for me of like kind of starting in lockdown means I've been able to meet so many more people than I would have done if I'd like sort of been touring the offices of publishing houses in London um like being able to meet people on zoom even for like 20 minutes half an hour like here and there has been invaluable and I like you know you have to have some gumption so I'm like emailing editorial directors being like hey you don't know me but you should have a call with me (laughs) and everyone's like really nice about that so that's been great and I think so in the summer, um, I had my first like editor author lunch, which was super exciting. That was like the moment I was like, oh, this this feels like this is what it could be. Um, yeah. Because we'd done the book deal um, in about May and I'd never met the author in person. So I signed her in January. We'd had a few Zoom calls. We'd done some edits together. And then we did the book deal with her editor, who I also hadn't met in person. Um, but I'd like spoken to her quite a lot during lockdown and it was like nice an yeah. editor I was really hoping to play something with um so then when we all went out to lunch together i was like oh my gosh this is this is the fun part this is what people have been talking about this whole time <laughs> like Finally. I'd been missing out <laughs> on it yeah um so that was really fun so I hope also one thing I'm really looking forward to kind of post lockdown post pandemic whatever um is being able to go to like a book launch for one of my authors um like I think that will just be really special because it has been really special to have like my authors books come out this year so three authors published this year um and like seeing seeing the book in the flesh was just like so cool um but I think having you know that experience of like going out to celebrate a book I'm really looking forward to
2: yeah no definitely a lot of my a lot of my friends have had books out recently Mm -hmm. and it's like it's wonderful to to hold the book in your hands and things like that but because of lockdown you they haven't been able to have that same go to the Mm -hmm. bookshop do a big uh, launch event that kind of thing
1: yes
2: but dining back a bit when did your journey into the publishing industry begin like when did you decide you wanted to be a literary agent
1: right Um, So I've actually worked in publishing for five years now, which Mm. I realized the other day and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't (laughs) believe it. Um, When I finished my undergraduate degree, which was in English, because of course it was, um, (laughs) I didn't know what I wanted to do at all. So my now husband and all of my like, close friends were all doing masters. And so I was like, cool, I'll do a masters too. This mm-hmm. sounds great. Um And so I also did a master's in English and that was at King's in London. Um And King's was really great at like putting on careers events. And one of them was about publishing and um it was like in London already. So I kind of, I was sort of like in, in the mix a bit. And previously, like during my undergraduate, I'd had a class on children's literature and molly kerhorn from the bent agency came to speak to our class about like working with children's authors and like she just spoke about her job in this way that i was like oh my gosh that sounds amazing (laughs) um and she has like a proof copy of one of her client's books and i'd never seen a proof copy before i didn't know they existed and i was like what is this like magical thing you talk of like i must get involved in this um and at that time the Bent agency were running remote internships so um i applied i applied twice um for one with molly and then the following year when i was doing my masters i got on the remote internship and so i was a manuscript reader for molly for about a year and a half if i remember rightly Mm. sort of alongside my master's degree and that was sort of the moment i was like okay yes this is for me this is what i want to do but obviously like i didn't (laughs) know it's not as easy as just like oh just become a literary agent like that's the end like i kind of had to be a bit strategic about like how i was going to get into the industry and so i started applying for stuff during the end of my degree and i got a temporary position uh in the rights team at vintage um so I did that in the summer, like as I was finishing my dissertation, um, and then like sort of started applying in earnest to things that autumn. And then my first full time position was um, for a literary scout, which um, was a was a really great start in the industry because literary scouts work for foreign publishers and sometimes also for like film and TV producers to kind of sift through all everything that's on submission in the UK and, like, everything that's being published in the UK and, obviously, there's, like, the US equivalent too and try to find the gems for their clients. So they read everything. Right. And they're in touch with agents and editors and rights professionals. And, like, at that time, I was like, okay, I think I want to be an editor or an agent or a rights professional. So I was like, (laughs) perfect. I will know everyone. Um, And then while I was doing that, I really, you know, it was a great start for me for many reasons and I had fabulous colleagues um who are still my friends. So it was a really, really nice place to start in the industry. But I just felt like agenting was gonna be the right fit for me. And so when that was only like a year's traineeship that I did with the scouting company. Yeah. Um so after that I was like, Okay, I'm only gonna apply for agenting assistant roles now, because I knew that was the path that I wanted to take. And so and I landed at LBA the following year after a few, you know, false starts, unsuccessful <laughs> interviews, like, you know, yeah. you know how it is, yeah, yeah. Um, but I was yeah, really thrilled to land at LBA and I've been there ever since.
2: Amazing. So it sounds like from being a, a MS reader and then a scout, you you were very prepared to get into open submission and, and just go through <laughs> those kinds of things.
1: I definitely read a lot, and I'm a very fast reader. And I, I think probably for agents, you have to really trust your eye and trust your taste. And so, like I know, I know what I like, I know what I don't like, and I've been honing that like over these years to, even even in my kind of like personal reading, to be like, yes, I like this, no, I don't, and make those decisions quite quickly, um, so that that helps me to get through the volume, um, but also I I sort of rediscovered reading for pleasure after i had been at uni, um, which has sort of like dampened my enthusiasm a bit. Um, and then I kind of got into it again when I was, yeah, starting, starting my twenties. Um, and then I just read tons. Like I, I never went anywhere without a book and I discovered the Libby app, which if you don't know about it, like get on the Libby app, that you can attach it to a library card. You get eBooks and audiobooks, books and like, you're never without a book, so Amazing. um i yeah, I just like read tons and tons and tons, and I think that's something I still really try to prioritize is sort of reading in the market like what's what's working really well, like what's selling really well, what kind of the the sleeper hits, and just using all that information to i guess to inform how i how I approach editing my author's work and looking for new authors,
2: yeah. I mean, you, you you have to, right? Because if you're, you know, if you're out of touch with what the business, the industry is doing, then it's going mm-hmm. to be very difficult for you to put, make the right choices and put the right feet forwards.
1: Yes, definitely. Um, so that's something I always do. Although, having said that, because it's been such a busy December, um, <laughs> I haven't I haven't read as many books this year yeah. uh, or like this month. Um, but yeah, that will change when the holidays start. I've already got my holiday reading list,
2: so I'm ready. <laughs> Amazing. If I'm sure that it sounds like you've had a, a pretty smooth uh, career kind of path into becoming an agent here, but I'm sure there were there were a few wrong turns on the way. What advice would you give to anybody looking to follow a similar career path?
1: I actually recently spoke to um, a, a panel at like I was on the panel at UCL for students like on the kind of the other side of the coin. I always find that quite a difficult question to answer because I think so much of it is to do with like luck and timing. Yeah. But I think also resilience is key, like and not taking rejection personally. And there are so many resources that are like really fabulous. I think you had Elena Rose on your podcast a few weeks ago and like she's fabulous. I watch her YouTube channel. (laughs) Um and I think yeah, people like her are doing really great work to make publishing feel more accessible and like yeah. give tips on like how to you know write a cv write a cover letter but i think sort of emotionally i would really recommend you know having confidence in yourself and being like no if this is the right fit for me and it is going to work out even if it doesn't work out right away um and read a lot even things that you don't think you will like like read as much as you can <laughs> yes. just to get a sense of like what's out there um, yeah, sure. yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I always find it very helpful to read outside of my own sort of preferences and and genres Mm -hmm. like that and often surprised, you know. I'll often, someone will loads of people will recommend me a book and I'll I'll be dragging my feet about it. Then I'll finally get around to reading it and then be like, oh, actually, turns out everyone was right. This is really Mm. good.
0: You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement lifelock alerts you to identity threats you might miss and if your identity is stolen your dedicated u.s based restoration specialist will work to fix it let lifelock help protect what you've worked so hard for save 25 percent off your first year on lifelock ultimate plus at lifelock.com slash aware terms apply
1: <laughs> yes i had a similar thing with where the crawdad's sing because i always get like a bit sort of mm, dubious if there's like so much hype about something yeah. um and then my flatmate read it and was like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. You have to read it. Um and I did and I sort of like read it in a day. And then afterwards so I was like, oh no,
2: it's a masterpiece. They were right. Yeah. Turns out everyone <laughs> um, was right. <laughs>
1: everyone was right. It was brilliant. So yeah.
2: No, I'm exactly like that. And uh it I I think a lot of people look that way with um the the classics and and mm. there's a sort of like, oh they're old, like I'm not gonna get it whatever mm-hmm. and then you read it and you're like god it's so relatable like how like how is this so relatable from like I know. so long ago
1: jane austen was like the og enemies to lovers trope like she invented it <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs>
1: so exactly. yeah i also once taught a, a sort of tutoring thing about how uh, northanger abbey is a classic ya novel um, oh. so yeah, same, same vibe. I, I like that yeah. take <laughs> reclaiming the classics
2: for sure. I like that. Um, okay. Let's get back onto submissions because this is something mm-hmm. that I ask whenever I get agents on the podcast, I always ask these because it's interesting to know, and it's very helpful for anyone letting, looking to submit to you and, and perhaps, um, mm-hmm. other agents as well. The submission, submission package is um synopsis, cover letter, first three chapters for fiction, cover letter proposal, writing sample for nonfiction. So it's pretty standard um yes. at the LBA agency. When you receive a submission, what order do you go through the submission in and where do you attribute the most weight?
1: Okay. So I always read the cover letter first. Mm. Um and I'll often read like lots in one go. Like I'll spend, you know, Half an hour, 45 minutes, like in my submission inbox, like kind of reading through. And on the query, like if there's something that jumps out at me, like if there's a really good one-line pitch, or if I love the comparison titles, or maybe it's like a little bit funny, or they've said something like, You you tweeted about wanting this book, and like my book is exactly that. Um, then that will kind of make me sit up a bit straighter. Um and I, I'll like flag that as kind of to put in my maybe pile. Um and then I'll, if I'm like super, super interested and I read it and I'm like, oh my god, this is exactly what I want, yeah. I will go to the pages immediately and start reading immediately. But often what I do is um I'll like put lots of things in my maybe pile and then I'll like have kind of a sesh on the maybe pile. Mm-hmm. Um and then when I read those, I go back blind. So I don't read the letter again. I read the writing sample and I'm like, is like, does it hook me? Because I already know I like the concept. Does the writing hook me? And so that that's how I kind of often get, get things out of the maybe pile <laughs> and also whether to call them in because if I'm like really hooked by it and then it doesn't take me long to know whether that's going to be kind of a yes or a no. And then after that, I'll check the synopsis to be like, does this person understand story structure? Like, is it going to be an exciting enough prospect? How yeah. much plot work do I think there's going to be? And I think, you know, if the writing is strong enough, often plot stuff can be fixed. Yeah. But if it's just, if it, if it looks like it's going to be really hard or if I read the plot and I'm like, oh, this this is actually going in a different direction than, like, I would want it to go in or, like, I would be sort of pitching it in, like, clearly – my direction is not what the is going for here. Yeah. Um, then yeah, that also sort of tells me something. So query letter first, then writing sample, and then probably the second time around, writing sample, synopsis, and then I'll probably go back to the query letter. If I'm like if I read something I'm like, oh why did I why did I put this in my maybe pile? Then <laughs> check again and be like, oh yeah, that's why. Uh,
2: okay. So that's I've not that's not one I've heard before. So you basically just go through cover letters en masse and 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 then that's that's where the color coordinating comes in and um so that the 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 query letter the pitch is is of paramount importance when submitting to you
1: i'll I'll add though just just kind of quickly there is i'll never or unless something is like specifically a genre i do not represent and i say in my twitter bio like i do not represent this um I'll always look at the pages. Like I'll never turn something down without looking because you never know. Yeah. You never know if that's like going to be something like where the Claudettes that I never would have thought this would be a book I would love. Yeah. Um So I think that's that's important. But yeah, like the query letter is
2: key for sure. Yeah. And when it comes to a uh, query letter, what are you looking for? What's what's the sort of like. Uh how to of like what Hannah wants to see in a query letter
1: for me, I don't think like making it too long is mm-hmm. important, like I want it to be really quite short and give me the information quickly, so I will want to know like what is the genre, what is the word count as kind of you know the the top line metadata, and then I'll want a couple of paragraphs about the pitch, maybe a one line pitch or a one line kind of hook um but really quite simple and to the point. And like, I always kind of give the, you know, shorthand and this is, this has gone around, I'm sure, but like, who is your main character? What do they want? What's standing in the way and what will happen if they don't get there? And I Mm -hmm. think that those questions, like the answers to those questions, just tell me what I need to know about a book and tell me whether like, I'm going to feel that the stakes are high enough and I'm a very character led reader, like in lots of genres. Um, like I read very widely and I enjoy books very widely, but I have to be in love with the character um or characters to be like this is something for me. So those kind of like really punchy um query letters that tell me about the character and, and their wants and desires are really helpful. Um and then as well as that, like if you've got good comparison titles and if you've got comparison titles that I like, or if you've like pitched it in a quirky way, maybe like with a a movie comparison or something like that, I'm like, oh, interesting. Like I wouldn't have thought those two comps would go together or something like that. Like that always makes me sort of excited. But basically, right. I just want as the the top line notes of information in as quick time as possible. Like i don't need i don't need loads and loads of detail and loads and loads of like that's what your synopsis is for but yeah
2: right okay yeah so they literally just like sell me sell me the book in as few words as possible like get me excited to read the proposal
1: yeah pretty much um and a good example of this is like a client i recently took on who has like followed up on something i tweeted about being like oh i really enjoyed this book um Never Saw Me Coming, I think it's called, or Never Saw You Coming, um, by Vera Curian. And she was like, I've also just read that book and I really loved it. And I think my book has something similar in it and here's why. And then she did like the kind of pitch for her book. And I was like, you're right. This sounds exactly the sort of thing I'm going to like. And that was true. So, yeah.
2: Oh, well, that worked out nicely for everyone, didn't it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And um, how do you feel about people resubmitting uh, a newer version of something they've already sent
1: unless i've specifically asked for it um that's not something i'll necessarily be very excited about it's okay. it's tricky that because i think you can improve something like so much more if you do more edits and maybe you've got like other feedback but they like sometimes i'll get queries from people where like every month they send me the same book and i'm like i I'm sorry, this isn't for me. <laughs> like, and so you're also slightly telling me that like no one else has offered on this. Yeah. And so I, I think, you know, for your own, as as an author, like for your own kind of buzz building and brand building, like, I think it's quite important to be strategic about those sorts of things. Because I, I do remember, um, like, who has been querying me. I've got quite a good memory. So I, I do remember like the names of like if I've read this, I'm like, oh hang on. <laughs> I've seen this before. Yeah. Um but I've also had things where like I've read full manuscripts and I'm like, okay, this isn't for me for XY reason. And I will write to the author and tell them why and like say, you know, this would be what I would want to do. Um but for one reason or another I'm like I either really love their writing style or I do think, you know, they they've got something. Um so I say to them like if you revise this in line with my notes i'd love to see it again or if you have something else in the future i'd love to see it again so those sorts of resubmitting i'm very much open to um but if you know i've just passed on something and you send it to me again and again and again like i'm not i'm not going to be excited about it the third time you know so yeah yeah yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. Uh, i mean i i was picturing it more like if i were to send you something uh let's say today and then you it wasn't for you and then maybe in six months a year's time I sent you what was just a the same it was the same core thing but hugely Mm -hmm. overhauled like perhaps different POV or like it starts Mm -hmm. with a different chapter or something like that
1: I I feel like there's no harm in it for sure um but I would not but I currently haven't has an experience where I've signed someone on the back of a resubmission. But yeah. that's not to say it can't work. Like I know definitely authors um, and agents who have found partnerships that way. So yeah, if you are doing the work on your manuscript, like that will always, that will always be good. And that will always help you in your kind of querying journey.
2: Yeah. But, but as a general rule, you would, you would sort of advise perhaps to not do that unless you had been involved and said, listen, here are the changes that I think I would like. And if you're willing to do that, I would be willing to re read it.
1: Yeah. I think it's easier if it's off the back of like me having called in the full the first
2: time. Yeah. 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 Okay. That makes sense. And I'm going to ask you if there's anything you're looking for at the moment, but I came across an interview that you did uh, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you said, uh, I'd love to find a brilliant British YA contemporary for the sex education audience or that feels like a Taylor Swift song. And I, I read that and thought, sign me up. If you find that <laughs> author, just send I me a I'll buy a copy straight away, it's sold.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, so I feel like there's been a real renaissance in YA in the last couple of years, like mostly due to the kind of book talk phenomenon, yeah. which I'm really excited about because I sort of my first love when i got back into reading got back in or like started thinking about working in publishing was ya and that was what i was really excited about and then it had a bit of a lull um and i was like oh no this sucks like there's so much to be done in this space (laughs) um so i'm really pleased that that like is kind of being re-energized and a lot of the kind of fabulous things on booktops and things that have been sort of trending our backlist and I'm like, okay, we need to kind of find some front list for all these new people who are reading. Um and so the sex education thing is because I just I think we I just feel like we're missing a big British YA contemporary. And there's been like quite a few that we've had like tie ins from the US which have worked really well. But like I just I just really feel like I haven't yet found that perfect british voice um that i've really been on the hunt for like i've really enjoyed chinglish and um the chloe Seeger books like i thought they were really great yeah. in that space but i just i just want more um yes. and the taylor swift thing is like obviously everyone's getting back into taylor swift now she's released her like taylor's versions of her <laughs> albums and yeah, i'm like yeah. the kind of the vibes and the nostalgia and the pining like all of those i just want in a novel yeah basically
2: sex education x taylor swift that's what, that's what you want to see <laughs> in me letter. up.
0: <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> straight to the pages <laughs> um so for everyone listening what uh what sort of books do you represent and what do you not represent
1: so i represent a like mix of things um but very much on kind of the quote unquote commercial end of the spectrum so mm-hmm. um i love the sort of books which are like more plot driven and more character driven um, and are never going to win the Booker prize. <laughs> that's just not my, that's just not my cup of tea. Like, not yet, I, not yet.
2: Maybe well, one
1: day. Well, maybe, but um, I don't feel like that's kind of my vibe. But like within commercial fiction, like I'm really quite open to a lot of things, like um, whether that's thriller or women's fiction or kind of like very tropey rom-com Um, but also I do do a bit on the more sort of upmarket slash book club space where it's got that maybe talking point issue at its heart. Um, maybe the writing is a bit more kind of important to the the package as a whole. Um, but I, I'm always looking for stories and characters that I can fall in love with. And that's not necessarily prescribed by genre. Um, what I don't really vibe with is sci-fi or like very sort of military thrillers like it's one of those things i think everyone has this where they just have something that they like makes them go oh snooze and my thing is like anything If like the cia are hunting a flash drive i'm like oh snooze (laughs) i just that's not my thing um but but most other things i'm kind of a a never say never type person um obviously i've put some stuff like in interviews about like why Especially love on what I'm like maybe not the right person for, but yeah, I think I'm pretty open
2: pretty open and you you do often tweet about things that you are looking for and talk about what you want,
1: yeah, I do, um, and I think that's based on like what I've read recently or what i'm on on the lookout for, and I was really in a thriller mood this autumn, <laughs> and I'd read quite a lot, and I was like, oh, nothing was." Nothing's getting me. Nothing's hooking me, and so that was like. Um, and I'm still kind of looking for that. I found a really great YA thriller, um, which was the author I mentioned earlier. But like, I'd really love to find a very fresh thriller for the adult market, or well, like thriller slash mystery, like anything in the Megan Miranda space. I would be really keen on.
2: Very cool. Very cool. Um, so it's pretty broad. You're you're open to most things, but you it's YA and adult, right? You don't do children's.
1: I don't um I have co-agented a very great middle grade book um but that's not something I'm currently on the lookout for
2: okay okay well I think that covers it and that brings us to the final question which is (gasps) (laughs) Hannah if you were stranded on a desert island with one book which book would it be
1: I know that every literary agent says that this gave them a crisis, but this also (laughs) did give me a crisis. Um, I I actually asked my husband, I was like, what do you think I would take? And he said he thought I would take Eligible by Curtis Sittenfeld, which I do. It's a Pride and Prejudice retelling um, set in Cincinnati in like 2012. Um, And it's so funny. It's just so, so funny. And I reread it pretty much once a year. um it's always like my hard times book um is eligible by Curtis Sifferfeld so that was a good that was a good choice um but like my probably favorite ever but were like kind of the one that you know stuck with me since I was I was young is The Tenant of Wildfell Hall by Anne Brontë, um Mm -hmm. which like I haven't reread that many times um so maybe maybe if I was stuck on a desert island it would be time to reread that one
2: yeah but you might have reread the other one a bit a few too many times you can <laughs> probably recite it at a certain point yeah
1: or, well yes yeah, but i just think there's something wonderful about rereading yeah. um there's no there's no kind of like you know you're going to love it yeah. so you don't have to worry about like oh is this going to be a waste of my time no it's going to be brilliant
2: okay but you're going to you're going to you're going to roll the dice and uh go with that yeah that want to.
1: yeah i think so
2: <laughs> okay well it's it's a great choice i like how you really It sounds like you really thought about it, considered several different options.
1: (laughs) I did. Yeah, definitely. I have to like look at all my shelves and think which one would be the one.
2: It's a serious decision, I understand fully. For sure. For for the rest of time, eternity. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, amazing. Thank you so much, Hannah, for coming on and and sharing your experiences with the industry and and telling us all about the books that you're looking for and things like that. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you
1: so
0: much. Thank you Um, as well. Yeah,
1: no, it's been great. Um, I think all of your questions like on all the podcast episodes have been so insightful and I feel like I've learned so much um, from (laughs) listening to it as well. So hopefully um, people will get something out of this one too.
2: Fingers crossed. I'm definitely getting (laughs) something out of it. And for everyone listening, uh, to keep up with everything that Hannah's doing, you can follow her on Twitter at Han Schofield. That's H-A-N-N. Schofield. Uh, you can follow the LBA agency at LBA underscore agency. And if you're looking to submit, go to lbabooks.com. Make sure you read through the list of agents and see exactly what each of them is looking for and find the best one for you. And be sure to fulfill the submission guidelines, which are all written out on the website. To make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, you can follow us on uh, Twitter at RightAndWrongUK and on Instagram at RightAndWrongPodcast. Thanks again, Hannah. Thank you so much. And thanks to everybody listening. We'll catch you in the next one.
0: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy
1: fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it every time.
0: And if you love the fillet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba 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 ba. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly 1 in 4 consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement.